Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 33 of the Regenerate Millennial Podcast. I am very thankful to be back with you all and be able to share this episode with you. I got sick uh, um, again, unfortunately, and was not able to record uh, earlier as I wanted to. But feeling good now, happy to be back. I'm joined by my dear brother and pastor, Jordan. Today, we're going to be doing part three on the hermeneutics series. We're going to be talking about narratives. There are many different genres uh, throughout the Bible that the Holy Spirit through men has chosen to write to us in. And today we're going to be discussing biblical narrative, how we should read it, how we shouldn't read it, what it means, what it doesn't mean, all that and more coming up on episode 33 of the podcast. I want to say thank you to every single one of you listening. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the kind messages. I truly, truly appreciate it. It does mean a lot to me and I love you all and I thank you all for uh, being a part of this podcast and a part of this ministry, which God has so graciously allowed me to do. But as always, I will always say this and I'll never, ever stop saying it. This is not about me. It's not about Jordan. It's not about our opinions. It's not about something that we think or that we've come up with in our own minds. This is about the word of God and it being honored and, and explained and applied in a way that brings 100% of the glory to the name of our holy Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that you are blessed by the podcast, and I thank you again for the support, and thank you for listening. Please enjoy. Let's get started. Jordan, it's good to be back. How are you doing, bro? Oh, I'm good, man. Life's getting busy. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think if I had to choose between busyness and idle hands, I'd probably go with the former. Yeah. But, but either one can be unwise. So. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, you've had a lot going on lately in your life, for sure. Mm. School and work and all kinds of different stuff happening. Yeah, at the same time. Pastoring. Like, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm feeling hashtag blessed. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> For sure. Always. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I'm happy to be back. Happy to have you back. Uh, if you're listening, the reason I haven't released in a while is I got sick again with who knows what. Hmm. Probably the famous thing that's going around, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm happy to be back. Feeling really good now. Paul and, and Peter still would have preached if they were sick. <laughs> well they didn't have an ipad oh my goodness so. maybe preach yeah <laughs> podcast i don't know yeah yeah, okay. yeah i'll let the conviction sink in okay. over the next That's however good. many minutes we're recording here takes, no i appreciate it um yeah so speaking of conviction 
Okay. I was going to record a podcast about suffering, but you said something to me the other week that really stuck with me, and I think it was it was very valid. Is let's let's finish what we're doing here, and what we're doing here is talking hermeneutics. So we have a we have this episode, and then probably one more, maybe two more, um, to do with hermeneutics. Then maybe we can get into some other stuff after that. But I don't want it to be so mixed up where it's like one theme and then and then something else and then something else. Right. So we're going to stick with the hermeneutics, even though I was tempted to record the other night. Um, but I will do that one in the future on suffering and uh, kind of like my testimony, I guess, of how God worked in my life through suffering and is still working in my life through suffering. Yeah, it's more like a selfish reason that I wanted you to finish because I've taught <laughs> hermeneutics like for the past seven years, probably, I don't know, a couple times, half a dozen times. And if we get this finished, I can have like a cop out and I don't have to, you know, I can just hand people the podcast. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah, that can be super helpful. I do love teaching it, but it is nice. Like if you get like, you don't have to have like a whole class on it again. Well, for sure. I or mean, like go teach them. just in the year, year and a half or yeah, I guess year and a half now since I've uh, joined the gathering, uh, we've done it twice since I've been here. So, and I know you've done it a bunch of times before that. And this is three. We're working on the that's third. That's true, actually. So this is the I third for to, me. I shouldn't be saying anything. This should be <laughs> all you. Yeah, no no pressure at all. None. Wow. I'll just go, eh, if you get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Try again. Like that, like that Trump meme. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. Yeah. Incorrect. False. Yeah, false. <laughs> well, since you're here, and right. I didn't just sit at home, and I spent the exorbitant amount of gas money that we pay in this beautiful country we're blessed to live in right. to get here, uh, I'd, I'd like it if you talked. Okay. You know, just okay. saying. Yeah, just yeah. saying. Okay. Um, so before we get into it, by the way, listeners, uh, if you didn't hear in the intro already, we're talking about <clears> narratives. <throat> Uh, to do with our hermeneutic series here and narratives being one of the genres um, that we see in scripture um, but before we get into talking about the narrative genre Jordan has a little preamble about posture that he's going to share with us here so go ahead bro yeah I appreciate it uh, I, don't know, I was just thinking of this for the past while here that and just through conversations that I've had um, people that are close to me and whatnot and um, I think hermeneutics is kind of, it's not popular to like our flesh, um, given that we kind of have this idea because of our selfishness that we can just get up or mature, I don't know, like grow up and then we can just, not even grow up, but we can just grab the Bible and just read it and mm. we can, we can just understand it, mm. you know, we don't have to go into any deep study and I think, I think when like we said at the first podcast that like the bible is human and divine and i think a lot of attacks against the church has been against its divine aspect like can we trust this is it right. you know but actually i think the biggest attack on the church from within the church is forgetting that human element of it mm -hmm. right where it's like yeah but it's also human mm. not not just human and divine it's also human so what does That's that good. mean it means it was written in a time it was written in a time we don't understand. It mm. was not even just like um, different experiences or whatever, but the Hebrews had a different world view. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they, they, they didn't think Aristotelian. They didn't think uh, Western. They thought yep. what we would say Eastern or 
Hebrew, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And that changes how I read the Bible mm. if I don't understand the context of the human element. It just yep. really does, right? Um, and so the question is, can you read the Bible wrong? Right? Can you read it wrong? And it's almost like a heresy to say yes. You know, like you can read it wrong. Mm. Do we think we can read it perfectly? No, but do we think we can read it better? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. And what does that mean to read it better? Uh, and so it means humbling myself and saying, you know what? I don't have all the facets or faucets, or I don't know how we'd say it, um, to, to not have to grow in my understanding of the human element of Scripture. Yes, mm. I have the Holy Spirit, and that's the usual holy yeah. cop-out, right? Yeah. Um, God is enough, right? you know? Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean you don't have to grow <laughs> in mm. knowledge? You know, like God wrote in a language. You can't yeah. understand a language without the brain. Right. So if my brain can grow, then my understanding can grow. And so I, I think something that really helps with hermeneutics is, like my old mentor used to say, that true discipleship is caught more than it's taught, right? Mm. Like watching someone. And mm. so reading commentaries... Is another thing that just seems so taboo in the church today. Yeah, it's like, it does. It's like, oh, how? Don't read that guy's opinion. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so, but what are they? What are they really saying? And so I wrote, I wrote this down. I said, people aren't against commentaries because they think the Holy Spirit is sufficient, which is usually the usual holy-sounding excuse, right? Yep. But because they think their own commentary is supreme, mm. right? So commentaries actually come up against my commentary. Right. And I don't want to be found mm. accountable or wrong. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit, man. How mm. dare you come up against my Holy Spirit, my right. commentary. And so people think they're listening to the Holy Spirit, but didn't people who wrote commentaries, <laughs> right? <laughs> hopefully, you know, yeah, hopefully most, hope so. hopefully, right? Yeah. And um, maybe, may, maybe, just maybe, maybe they're better at it than you. Mm. No. No, you know, no m- way. maybe... <laughs> Their interpretation has stood the test of time, mm. of inconsistency. Yeah. And maybe you're a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> in, your, in your ability to interpret. Right? Like yeah, just, it just be. shoves humility. Like that's what hermeneutics does. It, shoves humili- it shows humility, people who are concerned about hermeneutics and how to read the Bible right. better. Doesn't our God deserve that? Absolutely, he does. Yeah, yeah he deserves to be worshipped, read, studied, loved exalted in the way that he has shown us through his word mm-hmm. absolutely not the way that we come up with our own minds or in our own hearts and and break the first commandment over and over and over by having an idol in our heart right. of a god that does not exist in scripture mm. um, you know that was me for over a decade i was worshiping a god that i had formed by going to the to the smorgasbord of Christianity, uh, if if I can use that example. I like to use that example, actually. Um, and you know what? I can, because it's my podcast, so Amen. I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. So I, you know, I, I went to the, to the smorgasbord, and I picked out, you know, I like, okay, I like the love part. Oh, I like the, I like the healing part. Oh, I like the power part, or I like this part or that part. Oh, the wrath part. Oh, maybe let's just, eh. Right. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Let's just put that to the side. Also, amen. Yeah, there's no negotiation when it comes to the holiness of Scripture. There, 
There just isn't. And there's rules. And the second, the second you say that mm. in our church culture, right. it's like you're a legalist. Yeah. How dare you talk about rules? Because they bring accountability. That's, that's what rules do. Exactly. Our flesh hates that. And I was just thinking like of Hebrews 12, 1, where it says like, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right? Mm. It's talking about, you know, in that verse, the, the mighties of the past, right? Yeah. But we also have mighties of the past, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, yeah, men that have proven them, themselves. Proven, right? Yeah, absolutely. Where it's like, um, I guess bad interpretation hates counsel, mm. right? Or individualistic interpretation can't stand being... Uh, what's that word like come up against or yeah. challenged yeah because challenged, right? yeah. it's i don't know it was just like that i don't want my theology to be like thirty thousand miles wide and an inch deep you know mm-hmm. i have all these opinions i mm. i can defend them about this much right. right yeah um and that's why we can have such confidence standing on the shoulders mm. um first yeah. the bible absolutely secondly people who like the psalmist meditated on it day and, and night that, yeah like there are greats since christ Mm. that will forget more about the Bible than I'll ever know. Mm. Right? Why can't I, why don't I, what fool wouldn't glean? Absolutely. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it's funny how we, how in no other aspect of life do we approach anything with the attitude that we have it all figured out. Totally. Like, if I'm, if I'm learning, let's say I want to learn how to fish, because I've literally, I've never fished in my life, not once. Right. How dumb would it be if I just went to the store didn't listen to to the person there none of their advice on what rod i should get what kind of bait i should get what kind where i should be fishing when and then i go out and i just wing it yeah people are like, what are you doing like yeah no there's like why don't you find someone who's good at fishing and they can teach you how to fish yeah right well i i think i've heard of a guy who was really good at fishing and he called some fishermen and he said you know what i'll make you fishers of men he didn't say yeah. Hey, come fish with me. He said, I'll make you. Yeah. I will make you fishers of men. And so we see through the Gospels, Jesus molding his disciples. And and just like us, they had a lot to learn. Mm. A lot to learn. Yeah. I mean, half the time, but not half the time, before the Holy Spirit fell on them in Acts chapter 2, most of the time they had no idea what Jesus was even talking about. Right. He had to explain it as as to a child. Yeah. But they knew he knew where the fish were. Yeah. Like so legit. they so they followed him. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And they listened to him when he yeah. said, "You cast your net on that side of the boat." Yeah. Well, we haven't caught any fish, but you know what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Like, what's our motivation? Like, I was even thinking, like, you know, when I when I want to start a business, I'm trying to find out ways to get the inside scoop on things, right? Mm-hmm. And and the world knows that's kind of like, no, you have to figure that out yourself, right? But we're like. <laughs> We're trying so hard to like, no, tell me the tricks of the trade. Like, tell, give me the insights. Why? Because what's what's the God I'm fighting after right there? Yeah. Income. Yeah. So I'll do, I'll fight for it, man. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a good one. <laughs> and Jesus is like, it's, it's right here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right here. Yeah. Man, that's good. Wow. Well, well great, great podcast. Well, it's all done, man. <laughs> let's move on. Just kidding. All right. Let's get into narratives here. Uh, 66 books. Over 40 authors, you know, depending on who you think wrote Hebrews and all that that good stuff and the ones that we're not 100% sure on. Um, over the span of millennia, and they all point to one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's different genres in the Bible. Uh, there's 
poetry, there's narratives, there's apocalyptic literature, uh, just to name a few. And today we're going to talk about narratives. So, um, in the Old Testament, we see that uh, there's, there's a handful of books that are fully narrative. I'm not going to name them all, but just for example, like Genesis, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, the Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles, a um, couple of the minor prophets like Ezra and Nehemiah, fully narrative. And then we have some that are part and part, like, uh, for example, Exodus would be one, Numbers, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. Um, and even Job, they have substantial narrative portions, but for, in Job, for example, we see a lot of poetry as well. Yeah, just like in our language, we go in and out, but when yeah. we're writing something, it'll be mainly one thing mostly, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So these, these literary styles were used by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, like, mm -hmm. for example, when we're reading uh, the epistle uh, the, to the Romans, Paul wrote it. So we're reading, we're reading Paul's liter literary style, uh, but we're also reading what the Holy Spirit has written. Yeah. So. And you can't reconcile those. Yeah. Right. Like you, it's a par it's a it's a seemingly paradox mm -hmm. to the to the finite brain, mm -hmm. to the cre creature, but the creature has faith, says to God, there's things we can understand, but we know that in your mind, there's not a paradox. Right. Right. We know that in your mind you could sovereignly work through the, the mind and personality of Paul, mm -hmm. right? And yep. say exactly what you need to say and say, I don't disagree with anything you just wrote, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, 40, like, so it's a big chunk of the Bible is narrative. 40% um, 40, 40 of 40%. just the Old Testament yep. is narrative, uh, which makes up three quarters of the Bible, the Old mm -hmm. Testament. So it's a big chunk, um, and it's really important um, to, to really get a, a grasp on because of that but because so many things have so many ways of living so many views of scripture so many doctrines have come out of this misinterpretation of narrative yeah um where we think we could just wake up and read a narrative genre like we read an epistle and that just can get really dangerous for sure mm -hmm. yeah i think you uh i think you even had an example of of uh, the danger and uh, Acts 2 I believe was your example that you wanted uh, to yeah yeah to uh, share here Acts 2 44 I believe or yeah 45. just since you since you made that point we let's uh I want to ask you about that Acts chapter 2 okay about that danger you were talking about uh yeah this so this is one you you hear a lot um well I hear a lot so I don't feel I'm alone in this but people come up to me uh specifically people who don't t attend a local church it seems to be hmm. and they'll say well i will attend once it's like the act two church the acts two church right hmm. where they had everything in common you know and um so this is the verse here 44 well, i'll start in like um 44 or 42 and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together, and all had things in common. So everyone who believed in the world were all together, hmm. right? That's, that's my literal <laughs> translation of this narrative genre. Mm -hmm. And they had all things in common. They had all things in common. So, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, they received their food with gladness, generous hearts, praising God, 
And so we have this like idea uh, that's come up where I'm going to read this like I read an epistle. So let's let's try that. Okay. Okay. Let's let's just try, <laughs> um, like I did in 44. They all all who believed were together. Well, I don't really know what that means. So um, I'm going to make up. Well, if you're a believer, you should have like a megaphone. If you're a believer, come over here, right? We should all be together. It says this in Acts 2, 44. Mm. And they sell in all the possessions, right? And I was joking with you before this. It's like, yeah. I'm really happy about this because this means that your motorbike <laughs> is actually not yours. Right. It's it's not also mine, but it's it's ours, yeah. right? It's, it's for the community. Mm. And so really the church, according to Acts 44, is, is, is a socialist economy hmm. where no one owns anything we hmm. all sell everything and we all have this communal thing right right <laughs> yep. and so you know that's just a mis that's a misinterpreting of narrative hmm. and as we go on we'll explain why that is right? absolutely and how that can be dangerous um, and I just see the hypocrisy um, and I, I've done this myself where it's like I'm not gonna join that thing until I until it's at this level right <laughs> right yeah and it's like well you first, bro. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you yeah. first. Lead by example. Yeah. yeah. You sell everything, man. Stay true to your <laughs> hermeneutic here. Definitely. That, that narrative is normative. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just off the, even just off the top of my head, I can, you know, thinking about Moses parting the Red Sea, um, uh, Joshua parting the River Jordan uh, when the ark went in into the water. Uh, all kinds of miracles, God speaking through a donkey. Mm -hmm. Like just, you think of all these different things, it's like, okay, did these things happen one time? And is the, is the Bible telling us the story around this and of this? Or is the Bible teaching us doctrine about this? Right. Like, okay, like if you come to a body of water that you can't get across, well, just strike it with a stick. Right. And it'll part. Yeah. Okay, well, go ahead and try. You're going to be there for yeah. quite a while. Yeah, you better hit really hard. <laughs> really hard. <laughs> yeah, you better have some superhuman kind of strength for sure. Yeah. Um, Airbender. Exactly. Yeah. So narratives um, put in like a, in a simple way is, is, a, is a story. They're stories. Yeah. That's what they are. They're stories that are retelling historical events of the past that are intended to give meaning and direction for a given people in the present. Mm. So, when we read the Old Testament, they didn't have that down in writing. Like when we, for example, Exodus, the, the parting of the Red Sea. When, when we read that story now in 2022, looking back on, on them then, they didn't have that. They were being led by a pillar of smoke, a pillar of fire. They were being led by Moses. God was speaking through Moses to the people. He was the prophet. He was the voice of God. God spoke divinely uh, to his people of Israel through Moses. But now he's speaking to us, his people, the church, through these stories. So they all have to have like some kind of significant meaning in some way, do they not? Right. Um, and when it says story, right, uh, it's just it's just some story or what kind of a story, hmm. right? Like it's it's a, it's a story that happened, hmm. like an actual story, right? And um, 
uh, even a lot of the old writers would say myth, but we would use that word differently, Yeah. right? Um, they would use it in like an oral tradition type of sense, like this is actually what happened. Mm. And not only that, but we've kind of, when we use the word story today, when it comes to literature, we tend to think fiction. That's true. Right? And so they're kind of, yeah, so it's, it's like it says here, purposeful stories retelling the historical events. Yeah. Right? Especially um, before there was parchment, before there was scripture, um, canon, right? Mm. Where it was just an oral tradition. Uh, it's, you're doing memorization lately, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but things that you haven't memorized in your life that you can recall instantly tend to be stories. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot easier to remember stories. And why, why is that? And we'll, mm. we'll get into that. Well, that's the next point here. Yeah. No form of communication is so vivid. Yeah. And this is one of the classes I, it always convicts me. And <laughs> one day, well, not one day, hold me accountable here, brother, uh, that Jesus, or the greatest preacher who ever lived, mm. you know, how did he preach? Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Parables. Parables. Stories. Stories. Yeah. Right? To drive home a point. The greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. He told stories. Yeah. Ah, that that needs to convict me a little harder <laughs> in being a part of like what we call like the reformed community. You right. know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, we have a high view of scripture, exegetical preaching. Ah, we, we need to tell a bit more stories mm. maybe. Right? Like, let's mm -hmm. follow our king in this. Right? Yeah, because a story can paint can paint a a beautiful picture. Like I think of um, the story of the the parable of the Good Samaritan that that uh, is only in the Gospel of Luke, uh, by the way. Um, that Jesus explains and uses this this vivid picture of a man who's been assaulted on the side of the road, and is passed over by by two people who should know better. And then is helped by someone who, who the audience, the Jewish audience that Jesus is talking to, would consider to be unclean, a Gentile, right. like an outsider, an outcast. And 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 at the end of it, Jesus asks the people, like, like which which person loved that man, like which person served that man. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing here, but um, he paints this like this beautiful, vivid picture, and like that's that's one of the main stories. Sort of, I grew up in Sunday school with right. it was like the Good Samaritan like love your neighbor and all all this kind of stuff that that comes from just one of the parables that Jesus talked about and what I love about like just reading through the Gospels is we see like I mentioned this earlier we see the disciples and they don't always get it and it's sort of comforting because, <laughs> <Amen. laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, you know, sometimes I have to like really meditate and chew on a passage. And sometimes like I still I'm still like, hey, like, you know, I, I'm not 100 percent on this, but I want to trust God and 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 keep diving into his word and and try and read it more excellently um, so that I can worship him better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's a story can, like, I can just say to you, um, let me tell you about this guy. He's, uh, here's his name. He, he was a bold man, right? And it's like, okay, you have an idea. But then what if I said, like, I was there, hmm. right? I started it like that. Like, where's that from? That's from Lord of the Rings with hmm. El Elrond, 
right? I was there, Gandalf, 3,000 oh, years yeah. ago, yeah. right? Um, and you're all of a sudden taken into the story. Mm. And now the idea of boldness is caught by the listener, not just taught, right? Now, mm. you, now you have defined through story, through narrative, what it means to be bold. Because mm. now you have an example of it. Yeah. Right. Instead of just saying the facts. Right? Yeah. That's and a good. That's a really right good point. You're right into it, man. Mm. You just remembered right there from Lord of the Rings. Boom. Because he went into story mode. Yep. Right. Yeah. For and sure. So he could have just said, you know, Saruman was there, um, or Saruman evil. Yeah. <laughs> Me. He, he had a ring. Yeah. He was evil. <laughs> yeah. Big fight. Yeah. I. I'm a coward. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't throw it in the fire. Whatever. Right. Right. Like, it's just it doesn't it doesn't go to the soul. It just hits the brain. Right? Mm. Yeah, that's that's cool. I I really like that point a lot. It is absolutely a, the most vivid form of communication, and and you'll even see like a lot of non-Christian cultures um, all over the world. And I've I've traveled quite extensively. A lot of them are still those kind of storytelling oral tradition cultures. Yeah, and you can those cultures you can tell too the how how it affects community. Hmm. Like the community is so much tight knit because what. What knits a community? The, the story of yeah. it. The shared story. Mm-hmm. And that's what should knit the Christian community is the shared story. Right? Absolutely. That's, that's a good point. If you're a Christian, the narratives in the Bible are your stories. Dang, I didn't even plan that. That's good. <laughs> I you know. Go. There you go. Segwayed without even knowing it. Yeah, that's the next point. Crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. They're your stories. So, like, mm-hmm. you, can, you can read this as a Christian this as in anything in the bible that's a narrative yeah. and it's it's your story yeah this is the the story at which you could be at peace with god this mm-hmm. is how it happened absolutely right? god didn't just justify you that's not the mm-hmm. only writing we have from mm-hmm. romans right we have here's how he justified you and here's how how beautiful the old testament makes the word justified yeah. right? like and how much power is behind it now because of what christ did for sure. Yeah. yeah, Genesis to Revelation, the whole thing is about Jesus. And the and the Old Testament narratives are all pointing to the future Messiah, to Christ. And and that is if we're in Christ, like that is that is part of our history right. as believers. Yeah. Like God working sovereignly through the nation of Israel, then through through Jesus the Messiah, then through the apostles and the and the first century church. Given to the Gentiles. Given to the Gentiles. Yeah. And somehow, you and me, and whoever's listening to this, and all our brothers and sisters around the world that speak mm. myriads of languages, every tribe, tongue, nation, every yeah. language. Who would believe based on the apostles' word. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. John 17. John 17, 20. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that, like... That's for you if you're yeah. listening to this. And that's for me and that's for Jordan. That's for the kingdom of God. So cool. Yeah, it's absolutely. so cool. Like what's the kingdom of God where Jesus rules, man? Yeah. yeah. Like we have a we have a history book, but not only do we have a history book, it is perfect divine inspired narrative instruction um, mm. application m- medicine mm. like ointment to to heal the wounds of sin. Man. It, it's so cool. I, I, lo- <laughs> I love that point. Yeah. The promises and calling of, of God to Israel. Now I want to ask you about this, this point. The promises and calling of God to Israel 
are your historical promises and calling? I mean, we, d we did just touch on it a bit, but um, like if you, were to, if you were to sum that up, if, if someone said, what does that mean, Jordan, like in, in a cliff notes, that the promises and calling of, of God to Israel are, are your historical promises and calling? Because that can definitely get twisted. Come on. It can, <laughs> and I've been, in, I've been in traditions, if you can even call them that. I've been in circles where that was absolutely twisted. Is like, no, like you, you can, you can do A, B, C, and D because you're a child of God, and like all of that is promised to you, kind of thing. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole today, yeah, because I want to focus on <laughs> narratives, right. um, and maybe we can go down that rabbit hole on another podcast. Uh, but what would that mean, Jordan? Yeah, it's kind of what that's why I wanted to bring up, like specifically, because I was trying to defend against that. Is that um, when it when it says, and this isn't divine literature at this point here, <laughs> this isn't inspired, uh, the promises and calling of God to Israel, your historical promises and calling, hmm. um, is that though I am a Gentile, that story got to me somehow, hmm. right? Uh, and Paul even says the benefit to being a Jew, of course, they were given, to yeah. them were given the oracles of God, yeah. right? He came to save first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. He came to his own, but... Mm -hmm. They botched it, right? <laughs> they came to his own. They did not receive him. But anyone who did believe, mm. right? And so we get grafted in, and that's really what it's talking about. We get grafted in, but in order to get grafted in, there's got to be something there first. Mm. So since we're grafted in to that promise, right. the covenant, now that's our promises and calling as well, mm. uh, but specifically done <laughs> uh, through, mm -hmm. that, um, through the fact that the new covenant does not involve ethnicity. Mm. It, right it involves those who are called absolutely either jew or gentile the whole world as mm. scripture would say it. it most times we see in scripture and even to the whole world that doesn't mean it's not talking about individuals it's talking about jew and gentile yeah. as well right? yeah not just the jews but also the gentiles yeah absolutely yeah that makes me think of um galatians chapter three uh where paul says in starting in verse 27 and i'll just read through verse 29 for many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, no male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, according mm. to the promise. Right. So there's our historical promise right there. What do we see um, in, in Genesis that God promises to Abraham? Uh, what is it? Genesis 13, I believe. Uh, he promises to Abraham that you will have descendants, like yeah. numerous, numerous, numerous descendants. So that's like that's so cool how how Paul brings that in in the New Testament, speaking to yes the church in Galatia absolutely because the letter is yeah. literally to the Galatian it's church. It's broader than you think, but it's also yeah. to us. Yeah, exactly. It's like hey, look, you're it doesn't there's no Jew nor Greek, like because we're Greeks, we're Gentiles. Because we're not Jewish, um, ethnically, I mean. Yeah. But we're still Abraham's seed, according to that promise that God gave way back. Yeah. At the start of history, essentially. Yeah, we need to make that distinction. Are we are we seed by ethnicity? No. Some mm -hmm. are. There are mm -hmm. some Christians today who are seeds by ethnicity, mm -hmm. but they're not true Jews. They're not true <laughs> children of Abraham. Yeah. Jesus said, unless they believed in Him. Yeah. That's what makes us seed, right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, or children. Father Abraham, <laughs> right? Mm. Spiritual children, 
according to the promise, according to the covenant. Absolutely. And I just want to say that it's Genesis 15, not 13, where we read about God's covenant with Abraham. on the spot, eh? Yeah. No, I said that. (laughs) I I said 13. You were like, was it? I was like, I don't know. No, I I just want to make sure because I was thinking, you know, I learned the Bible memorized on Sundays. Yeah, exactly. Well, I should I should know a little bit better because I'm going through Genesis on my personal study, and then I was like, ah, 13 seems a little too early. (laughs) Genesis 15, if you want to read about that, that covenant that God makes with Abraham, that He's going to have all these offspring. That's Mm. that's you. That's me. So beautiful. So cool. Yeah. Um. So. Narratives are not. Let's get into some some points that narratives are not. So we've mm. sort of talked about what narratives are. What are they not? They're not just stories about people in Old Testament times. Mm. This is not, I love that you quoted Lord of the Rings, amazing series. <laughs> Am- amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, some of the best books uh, probably ever written. Um, Storybooks. Those, that's just a story about nothing. Even, even history outside of the Bible is stories about nothing. Mm. If we read the history of Alexander the, the Great, if we read the history of Caesar Nero, if we re- read the history of Genghis Khan, those are just stories about people. Yeah, they're historical. Sure, they're factual probably mostly um, based on what evidence we have today. But there's a big difference when we come to the Bible. They're not just stories about people that existed in history, although that's part of it. They are stories, and this is the main point, they're stories about God. That's right. And God is the, and you got lots of money symbols here, which I love. God is the hero of every single biblical narrative. Mm. Yeah, and that's really the point. And I, when I first heard that... um, and was allowed to realize that, <laughs> I guess you want to say it that way. Um, and it's just like, wow, it just made, it just made the Old Testament come alive. Mm. You know how, um, I was just looking up this quote while you're talking. Uh, this is what he says. Who was this? It says, this is from Al- Robert Alter. Mm. Finally, it is the inescapable tension, speaking of narrative genre, between human freedom and divine historical plan that Mm. is brought forth so luminously through the pervasive repetitions of the Bible's narrative art. Mm. It's the inescapable tension between human freedom and divine historical plan. Mm. That's another apparent paradox that we can't reconcile. There's two truths. Yes, there, there is some freedom and there's discussion there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to the cre- creature. But God is in complete sovereign control. Mm. Not just in the ends, but in the means, mm-hmm. right? And, and we struggle yeah. with that in our flesh. But that's what makes mm. our, really, what it should do is cause our trust in our anchor, mm. who is God, which is the biblical definition of hope, an anchor that doesn't move. Well, how do we know he doesn't move? Because he's never moved. Yeah. <laughs> before and how do we know he's never moved because we read narrative and we see how god is absolutely the hero Mm. and so it's not about uh character sermons about be a david yeah be a whatever right it's about you you know trust in god Mm. 
you don't you don't want to be a David. Hmm. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you want to be obedient to God. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And it's supposed to really. There's something about narrative genre that spurs the heart unto obedience. Hmm. Right. It really does. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I, speaking of be a David, that's a, that's a great point. Um, the point that having God as the hero, as 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 the main center of every single story. Uh, will help will help save you from glorifying the character, right? Mm-hmm. Putting the character up on a pedestal, and it, I think about like I've I've heard so many you know be a David sermons. Oh my goodness, I've heard so many of them, and and it's either it's usually either David and Goliath. That's you know that is usually the one that's used. It's like David is David is your David, and Goliath is this big giant. You know maybe it's a promotion you're trying to get. Or it's healing that you haven't received yet, or it's someone um, bullying you. Yes, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's something like that. It's it's all about you, yeah. and you're the David, and and you're there's this Goliath that you're facing, and you just need to trust in God and and sling your stones at the giant and just crush that giant, and you can do it, kind of thing. It's like mm. that is the complete opposite point of the entire story. Mm. The entire point of David versus Goliath is the holiness of the name of God. And his name was being blasphemed and it was being dragged through the mud by wicked, evil people who had no concern whatsoever for his holiness and and his glory. And David had concern for God's holiness and his glory. Mm. And so he, knowing that God was on his side, fought Goliath for the glory of God alone. Not for his personal glory, not because, you know, he wanted to be this, this amazing guy, but because there was some giant who dared to speak against the God of Israel yeah. and call him the, the things that he was calling him. Mm. Yeah, and it's really how you were saying there, like, it keeps us from putting David on a pedestal. Mm. But when we put David on a pedestal, which is our, our natural flesh instinct, then we have allowance to put ourselves on the pedestal. Yeah. And that's, that's really the point and, uh, of our flesh that likes to warp the uses of narrative genre. Mm. Uh, I like what Vody Bauckham said um, in, in one of his most powerful sermons. I forget what it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was so like the, powerful. The, the title of it. It was the title. so powerful, like, I forgot. <laughs> it was like, I, I forget, the supremacy of Christ in a postmodern truth world. Something like, it was a long sentence. But, that sounds familiar. Uh, but he says, like, <laughs> if I have a God who's omnipotent but not sovereign, mm. then I can wield his power. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's a good, oh, oh. man. Woo! Imagine a big black man saying that to you who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, like, no you'd kidding. listen to oh, him. <laughs> I would listen to him, all right. I, l- I do listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't even met the guy. Yeah. And he intimidates we, we want me him, in a we, good way. We want access to his power. Yeah. But we don't like that he's sovereign over it. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, man, that's good. That's so good. Yeah. I'll send that to Bauckham so we can add to his next <laughs> sermon. I'm, I'm sure he will. Yeah. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Don't be a David. You know why? <laughs> because David saw a woman bathing on the top of a building, mm-hmm. thought, you know what? I want her, even though i got everything else in the world, so yeah. I'm going to go ahead, sleep with her, and I'm going to kill her husband. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay, well, we'll be a David except for that. Yeah. Was David a man after God's own heart because of David? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Was David an adulteress because of David? Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely he was. There's the difference. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I mean, we could we could spend the we could spend hours going through examples. I look forward to seeing David. Me too. Amen. That's going to be cool. 
Yeah. And, and you know, like, like in your last uh, sermon, just in our local, local gathering, always keep it in mind, like, when I say that statement, that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm a murderer, an adulterer, a fornicator. I'm this, I'm that. Apart from God's grace. I can do nothing righteous until exactly, God Which is why our eyes need to be focused on God as the hero and the whole entire Bible pointing to Jesus. Can you scratch my left shoulder blade? Absolutely. Down, down. There it is. Thanks, bro. Scratch break. Thanks, bro. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Uh, let's, let's do a couple more points of narratives or not. Because okay. I, I like these. They are, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Not all allegories or stories are filled with hidden meaning. Mm. The meaning will be evident if you know the meaning of the big story. Yeah. This is, this is one of the ways that modern-day Gnosticism creeps into the church. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's the point of narrative, it's a simplistic way of saying it, is the point of the big story, right? If I take it out of the big story, the, the redemption plan of Christ, if I take it out of the fact that God is the hero, if I take it out of these main points, I miss the point. And I can yeah. start filling it with my own hidden, normally narcissistic meaning right right narcissistic motivated meaning mm-hmm. where it's look look what i figured out today about this yeah right look what i figured out it's like no that's not how narrative works mm. that's how facts that's how facts work like blatant facts yep but narrative <coughs> is a story that at the end of the story everyone like around the campfire is feeling the same emphasis of the same point mm-hmm. they're not they don't all have their own little you know what i mean it's like yep. Man. Yeah, so this this was the main point of the story. Yeah. Exactly. And we can all agree on that. Yeah. And it it's it, blatantly and it obvious can be crystal now. clear. Yeah. It doesn't have to, we don't have to like oh, you know, let me let me unpack this for like 2 weeks to figure out what God was trying to trying to say here. It's like no. Like uh Joshua chapter 1 for example when 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 Joshua meets the commander of the <laughs> Lord's armies and and he says, are you, are you for us or against us? Well, I'm neither. Oh, that's sort of cool. And then God commands, commands Joshua, do not be afraid, mm-hmm. for I'm with you wherever you go. It's like, we don't have to try and somehow twist that to make that about us or like a particular situation in our lives. Yeah, we can a- apply the permanent principle there, which is if we got God on our side, we got nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. Because right. even if we die, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Go ahead, kill me. Then you're just going to send me to be with Jesus. Yeah. But this, but the story's not about us. Mm. It's about God. Yeah. And how do I know if I've interpreted a narrative genre right? At the end of it, I'm going, "Wow, God, you are amazing." Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly. How the heck? Because <laughs> yeah. it's a narrative genre, genre. Like the stories are very simple. Man failed. God doesn't fail. Man fails. God doesn't fail. Mm. That's that's narrative genre. Mm. And there's just all of them tell <laughs> tell different aspects of that. Look how yep. this man failed. Look look how oh you wanted a king. Here's the best looking one in the land. Exactly. Fail. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. These yeah. people think they want a king. Yeah. Oh, they let's have, try judges. They have me. Yeah. Let's try. But prophets. they think they want a human king. Yeah. So here you go. But he might not be very nice to you. Mm. I'm yeah. warning you here. But you're gonna be like all the other nations. Yeah. Oh, you get to be like everybody yeah. else. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Instead yeah. of being set apart. Right. With God, with me as your king. Theocracy, yeah. Absolutely. God rules. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like this next point too. So, uh, narratives do not 
always teach doctrine directly. They usually illustrate a point that is made elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. This is this is from um I didn't even mean to throw this in here, but it's it's going in here. This is from R. C. Sproul. Okay. Uh, he explains how Christians must uh, like interpret the Bible narratives through the lens of broader Christian teachings. So mm. this is what he says in quotes here. Quote, we must interpret the narrative passages of Scripture by the didactic, which means specific teaching, if you will, or teaching portions, which would be what? What, what would you say? We haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. But like, what would be the teaching portions of the didactic genres of Scripture, would you say? Oh, uh the, the teaching portions? Yeah. The epistles. The epistles, right. Yeah, those, so he, would, so those he, would be like direct teaching. Right. So he says we must interpret the narrative passages of Scripture by that. This is how we interpret them. Good thing I got that right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I know. I know I put you on the spot. Right when I told, called you out, but I knew it was, it was all good. Yeah. I knew you knew it. Um, <laughs> we must interpret the narrative passages of Scripture. This is how we interpret it. By the didactic teachings if you will, portions of Scripture. So mm. if we try to find, this is what he says, if we try to find too much theology in narrative passages, we can easily go beyond the point of the narrative into serious errors. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So he's, mm. that's how we interpret the teaching portions, if you will, of narrative, mm. by the teaching portions of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. I got Amen. An, I got an example. Good. It is good. Because it's the Bible, and it's not, right. and it's not me. Oh, I just quoted like a theologian. So there you go. You one up me with the Bible. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> so my example comes from okay. So the point was just to reiterate quickly. The point was narratives do not always directly teach doctrine, but they usually illustrate a point made a point made elsewhere. And so we see in the epistles, which you were just talking about, uh, Paul and the other writers like Peter and James uh, of the epistles they're actually able to transfer Old Testament narrative or instruction that we see in the Old Testament. And they're actually able to put a stamp on that in the New Testament as instruction or as doctrine to the church. Right. So I have an example here. Nice. Genesis chapter 25, and I'm just going to read a couple verses. If you're listening, absolutely feel free to read the whole chapter of Genesis 25. It'll give you an even more broad idea, but I think this will give you the, the main... Uh, just of what I'm trying to, to get at here. So this is uh, Genesis 25, uh, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, <clears throat> um, that's Rebecca he's talking to, by the way, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Okay, again, read the whole thing if you want to. Now, if we go to the New Testament, so there, there's no, there's no doctrine in there, is there? Uh, if I want to, I just, you know, put it in my own whatever I feel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there isn't. Right. There's, that, there's no, there's no doctrine that someone could should preach from a pulpit that says this is how we're going to act now because of this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the point here is we're literally reading the story of Jacob and Esau in their mother's womb. Mm. That's all we're reading here. Yeah. It's God writing down the story for us so that we can read it. Yeah. But Paul, in Romans chapter 9, uh, again, read the whole chapter, absolutely. Amazing chapter, of course, um, to get the even broader picture. But just to make the point here, 
Romans chapter 9, and I'm just going to read a couple verses here, uh, starting in verse 10. And not only so, this is the Holy Spirit writing through Paul, and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born or had done nothing good nor bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, and here he quotes Genesis 25, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob, I've loved, but Esau I've hated. So, we see Paul taking this Old Testament um, narrative and showing us the doctrine of election is one part of it, and salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Hmm. So, works-based salvation is, is crushed in this passage, and the doctrine of election is, is also um, spoken of in this passage. Hmm. Yeah, while you're, while you're teaching there, like, I, I really, I just thought, you know, Romans 9 just wouldn't be the same without Genesis. Totally. You, like, it wouldn't, you would be like, what? Yeah. Like, it, like, but Genesis wouldn't be the same without Romans 9. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. So yeah. They're, they're, we need both. And yes. One, and each one, I don't want to say one makes the other one fuller and the other, whatever. They both mm. make each other fuller. Yeah. They complement each other so yeah. beautifully. From because you hear this story. Imagine you just hear the story, and then Paul comes at the end of the campfire, and he goes, "This is what, guys. This yeah. is what it literally means. Yeah. Like this is what was happening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this yeah. is what God was doing. Yeah. While Rebecca was pregnant with Jacob yeah. and Esau. Yeah. And I know, I know the mystery, if you will, in the mm-hmm. in the New Testament is. Specifically, when Paul talks about it, it's talking about the fact that Gentiles are not grafted in. That's the mystery known now that was revealed. But, mm-hmm. but that's also another mystery, mm. right? Where, look, this is the mystery of this story. Why, yeah. why were we told this story? Why? So the purpose of election of God might, might continue. Might continue, right? Absolutely. Like, wow. Yeah. It makes it so much. It goes. Not by works. I just not, love that. Not by works. Not, not by, by works. works. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a a really good example. It's one of my favorite examples when I was when I was thinking and, and studying in preparation for this. I was like, yeah, because I'm I'm I just finished 16 months in Romans, mm-hmm. and now I'm going through Genesis. Although I'm not at 25 yet, but coming from Romans, I was like, you know what? That's he's quoting from Genesis there. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's just such a privilege. You know, the people listening to the oral tradition of Genesis. We're, we're just listening to the oral tradition. Now you're going back, mm-hmm. listening to the oral tradi- to the narrative mm. genre of Genesis with, with 60, 16 months of Romans in your brain. Mm. It's just like, whoa, wow, oh, oh, <laughs> you know, like so much fuller, man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the last point of narratives are not here that I think we should make is uh, that each narrative or episode doesn't necessarily have a moral all of its own. The point is in the overall picture yeah um let me okay expand on that that'd be great yeah i think uh what's really important about that is yes there's you know 66 books in the bible (laughs) uh 40 40 percent of the old testament is narrative but it's it's all one concise completed story uh and so the point of scripture uh is always back and forth from from the back from from jet from the old testament it's pointing to the gospels <laughs> uh, and then after the gospels all pointing back to the gospels and so the point is the overall picture uh and yes there's 
subpoints and um, even sub subpoints for sure. Uh, but it's all about what's the point of creation? What's the point mm. of the narrative genre to make much of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Yeah. Everything points to Jesus for sure. It's all about Jesus. Who is um, God? Who is the hero? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, I don't. I maybe don't want to go through. We we have. If you're listening, we have ten, <laughs> ten points here written down for summarizing uh, uh, the interp- uh, interpretation of narratives. I don't, mm, I don't think we should go through all ten. Just pick two each. Yeah, sure. Shoddy four. No, I'm joking. You do yeah. four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whatever you think. Sure. Yeah. No, four is definitely one I would have picked. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'll I'll do that. Point number. I'll start with our list of ten here. I'll I'll pick out number four. Um, what people do in a narrative is not necessarily a good example for us. Frequently, it is just the opposite. And the point being that narrative is not normative. Mm. So I do, I believe I have a really, really good example for this. A really good example. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 19. Um, and if you want to read along, it's, I'm going to be reading from verses 30 to 36. And Give you a second here. Jordan, that is. He's flipping there in his Bible. <laughs> okay. So, Genesis 19, 30 to 36. Here's a great example of narrative is not normative. And it's not necessarily something we should do. Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. And he stayed in a cave in his two, uh, he and his two daughters. The firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and let us lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and laid with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I laid last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and laid with him. And he did not know when she lay, when she laid down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. Hmm. I think that drives <laughs> drives home the point that we're trying to make here. But but Josh, Lot was Abraham's nephew, man. <laughs> like it's a big deal guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you mean we shouldn't follow their example? What do I mean? <laughs> um I well, think aren't we supposed to, aren't these the greats? I think the passage makes it pretty clear, Jordan, <laughs> if you read it with a clear okay. understanding yeah, yeah. of you probably should not sleep with your own father, even if you are a woman who desires to have children, doesn't have children, and apparently there's no man who wants to be with you. That's really sad, by the way. Mm. No men wanted to be with them. That's mm. sad. Well, that's beside the point. Right. I wouldn't advise you yeah. <laughs> To apply Genesis 1930 to 36 to your life. Right. Because this is a narrative, which yeah. means that it's not normative. Yeah. Which means that you 
shouldn't necessarily do the thing that you're reading about. Mm. We were talking about David earlier, right? right. Well, Second Samuel 11, I'm not going to read it. If you, if you want to read it, it's, it's the story, the narrative of David and Bathsheba, right? Just because David did it and he was a man after God's own heart doesn't mean I should do it. We're not reading mm. about something good that David did. We're reading about something evil and wicked that he did. And in chapter 12, we see that as right. he's called out by the prophet Nathan and he's rebuked and, and he, he repents, which is amazing and, and beautiful and, and cries out to God to, you know, to make his heart clean again. Yeah, and so most, most Christians, uh, we would read that, um, whatever denomination, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, evangelicalism, hopefully. we would all sit around and be like, yeah, of course, duh. Of course, right? of course but, you don't sleep with yeah, your dad. But we would, right, wh why? What, how did you come to that? Hmm. Because of tradition that hmm. you've heard in the church? Hmm. What? No, I want to know what's your hermeneutical rule? Yeah, exactly. I want to know why yep. we know for sure that is wrong. <laughs> yeah, Right. absolutely. In order to do that, we got to go to other parts of Scripture mm -hmm. that are didactic, that mm -hmm. are teaching portions of Scripture mm -hmm. to help me translate a narrative genre correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. My turn? Your turn. Go ahead. Okay, number seven. All narratives are selective and incomplete. It's, it's a weird word that I use there, incomplete. Um, it makes sense, though. But you know what I mean? In, yep. From our perspective, yep. right? It's like, well, so not all the relevant, in quotes, details are always given. Right. So basically what I think are relevant or what I think is incomplete, mm. right? What does appear in the narrative is everything that the inspired author thought important for us to know. So I put in brackets here, don't chase rabbits or mm. TLC, don't go chasing water bullets, <laughs> right? that, that yeah. aren't intended to be chased, mm. right? Allow the author to teach your mind what he's teaching. Mm. Don't come up with, well, oh, I have, because we really, oh man, we like that. Don't we like our flesh? We just love, we just love, I know what you guys are getting out of it. I know mm. what's really on the surface here, mm -hmm. but look at this, mm -hmm. right? Look at this, man. And we, you know, um, what's that bad, beautiful eulogy? It's like we, like, we like those guys who could take what seems to be hard to understand and make it simple, right? right? Like this hidden meaning, which is modern day agnosticism mm -hmm. in the church. And so don't chase the rabbits that aren't intended to be chased. Like follow along with the author of what he's trying to say, because then you're actually allowing God to speak mm. to your mind. God, what are you saying? capital A, author's intended meaning, right? Mm. What are you meaning to say here? That's what I want to learn from. I don't want to learn from what I think I should learn from. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm going to combine a couple, but just into one statement here. Um, uh, many, if not most, well, actually, you know what? All of the characters in the Old Testament are far from perfect, as are their actions. God is the hero of all biblical narratives. Mm. And I know we have made this, this point to an extent already, but towards the end of the podcast here as we're, as we're getting to the end of the episode, I want to drive home that point one more time that God is the hero of the Bible. It's not about Moses. It's not about Abraham. It's not about Joshua. It's not about David. It's not about Isaiah. It's not about John the Baptist. Who, who Jesus himself said was the greatest man ever born of a woman mm. up until that point. It's not about any of them. 
John the Baptist said himself, I'm not even worthy to tie this man's sandals as he was talking about Jesus as he approached the Jordan River mm. to be baptized by John. I am not even worthy to tie, uh, to untie his sandals. Yeah. Oh, and it should give you such joy, man. Mm -hmm. I forget who said it, as usual, but they don't care, <laughs> as usual, um, that God can use a broken man to expand his fixed plan. Mm. God, like, how encouraging is that? God, <laughs> like what Luther said, here I am, mm. take me. Yeah. Here I am. I, I, what do I bring? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Nothing, but I'm your vessel. I'm your mouth. I'm your mm -hmm. hands. I'm your feet. Put them where you want. And when it comes mm -hmm. to hermeneutics, make this brain think what you want it to think. Make Amen. this heart feel what you want it to think through this text, not what I will think I should think through this text. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, from John chapter 1, 27, where, where John the Baptist says uh, that he's not even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. And Jesus says about him, he's the greatest man ever born of a woman. Mm. That should be, I mean, that's, if, if we can put money symbols on, let's put money symbols on. That should be hook, line, sinker, game over, whatever phrasing you want to use. Mm. Like, that's it. Yeah. Jesus said, this guy, greatest man to ever live, and he said, I'm not even worthy to touch this guy's shoes. Mm. And that was the dirtiest, filthiest part yeah. of the human, the human body that you would that you would interact with yeah. in that time because yeah. they would have dust and muck and dirt and whatever from their journey all over their feet. Mm -hmm. Feet washing was a big thing, right? Yeah. Uh, an, an act of servanthood that Jesus obviously exemplified. Mm. But John says, I'm not even worthy to touch the dirtiest part of this guy's body. Yeah. Yeah. I, might be, I might be the only creature, you know, the greatest creature who ever lived, but this mm. is the, the only unbegotten. Mm. Man. <laughs> Absolutely. Or the only begotten yeah. son of God. The only unique one of a kind. Man. Yeah. Right? Like Yeah, so if uh, we not even <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. So if yeah. we could paraphrase John, you know, John does John does say behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. Behold the one whom Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. Behold the Old Testament prophets spoke of this man right here. Yeah. This is him. Here he is. Look, look, look at him. Don't look at me. Mm. I must decrease so he can increase. And he must increase. Look at him. 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 Mm -hmm. It's all about him. Yeah. Yeah, this is from Alistair Begg. He says, we find Christ in all the scriptures. In the Old Testament, he's predicted. In the Gospels, he's revealed. Mm. In the Acts, he is preached. Mm. In the Epistles, he is explained. In the Revelation, he is expected. I love that quote. <laughs> oh, man. And especially when he says it in a Scottish accent. <laughs> oh, I know. I just butchered it. No, no. <laughs> no it was so beautiful. It. So good, man. He, oh, and I love it. In Acts, he has preached. In the epistles, he's explained. Mm. Oh. Amen. Amen. I want to give you the final word, brother. So take it away. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I thought that was it. All right. All right. Whatever. Uh, whatever you want to sort of put a cap on it for us, yeah. I would. I would love if you would do that. If you got nothing else to say, we can wrap it up. Absolutely. Oh, I got. I got nothing else to say. So I'll give uh, the hero <laughs> of the genre. Amen. The title, man. <laughs> yeah. This is what Jesus says. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Mm. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Oof. 
in the blood of the Lamb. No better way to end than that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro, for taking the time out of your evening and joining me for this one again. Very, very much appreciated. Always a humble pleasure, man. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, at least one more, maybe two more. Uh, for the listeners who are sticking around to this point, good job. You're more holy than someone who shut this off earlier, by the way. So, mm-hmm. And they don't even know because they're not listening. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Um, we're going to get into prophetic. Ooh, prophetic. And How did you know that? Prof- prophetic. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into uh, prophetic wisdom, some of the Gospels. Maybe a little bit of apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Feel, feel like, hey man, you're the. I'm just doing yeah. what you say, bro. All right, perfect. Mutual submission. Appreciate it. So at least one, if not two, more in our uh, hermeneutics theme, and then we'll move on to some other good stuff. So thanks for joining, and thank you again, Jordan. Appreciate it. With the microphone check, one, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search They say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gained So let's explain the new birth First things first Can't neglect this at the start I must preface my remarks With the deadness of the heart From original sin The effects of the fall The sin of our first parents Brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head What he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind Disaster, sin and crimes In a dark state Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames Cause we're powerless to change If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3